Alrighty, Creecast. It's David here with you again. Thanks for listening. As always, um, this one, this episode, we're gonna just have a bit of a look back over the last couple of weeks of Port Footy. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't get a podcast in before we played GWS or after we played Frio. So this one's gonna be um, just a it won't go too long on Frio here at the start because uh, you know it's been a week since the game. A lot of people have talked about it, dissected it. So I'll just give my brief thoughts and kind of you know a bit about the game, but more. I guess the um, overall meaning for our season, then that result and some of the you know things we can take out of it, and some of the frustrations and some of the good things that were there, uh, ultimately frustrating. Um, and then we'll get into talking about a great win over GWS last night, um, a really really impressive win, controlled win, um, and really just it just I said to I can't remember if I was saying it to who I said it to actually. Just one of the most stress-free free games we've had in a while. Um, just really just felt in control right from the start. And, you know, at one point during the third quarter, I was just chilling. You know, it was pretty, you know, um, putrid third quarter as far as the quality of football goes. But it just never felt like we were under in genuine threat. They had a bit of a run. But, you know, we'll get into it anyway. Um, but, yeah, Frio first and then GDO, yes. Um, yeah, apologies. I've Like I said, I know people that listen regularly um, have heard me talk about it before. But I'll just say again, you know, it's just a... Big year of changes happening at the moment. Um, yeah, in the process of selling a house. Um, this week was the week that we had the we had the open house the day before the Freo game. Um, offers came in Monday, and we we accepted an offer. Thankfully, we got an offer um, uh, where we wanted it. Um, so it's it's in all that calling off period and all that fun stuff at the moment for contracts flying back and forth, and so just insanely busy with that kind of stuff as well. Um, really. Um, and just I couldn't, and obviously with work as well, it's a busy time at work at the moment. So it's just between everything going on with all that, um, just and genuinely couldn't find the time to actually sit down and properly dissect Frio and or nor preview GWS before the game. I just thought, nah, no, to keep the stress off, I'll just um, book it in to do it after both, and then and yeah, so. Yeah, exciting times again. Um, every week, it's a little bit of an update as to where we're going, where we're at. Um, but so yeah, we're at the uh, under under offer stage of the whole house selling process, and um, I think hopefully with it's all pretty. You know, seems pretty above board. Real estate agent's confident, and she, you know, vets these things previous. She doesn't really. Um, she kind of talks you around to offers that are she feels are pretty you know hotly binding as far as the interests from the buyer and as well as their prospects for. Um, making sure that the deal will go through smoothly. So, yeah, that's all exciting and we can start looking towards our move um, abroad, And um, which means I start, I've already started thinking about the next evolution of what the Creed and the Creedcast, or the podcast will probably more or less stay the same, just hopefully a bit more variety in what I do and have the time I have to do next year. But, um, yeah, stuff I'm starting to think about with um, engaging a little bit more um, with a bit of more organisation with the the uh, North American Port Adelaide community, as well as everyone, but, you know, just really tr- looking at some ideas to um, have a bit more organisation towards a, uh, a Port Adelaide community abroad. So, yeah, that's kind of what's in the back burner for me, but um, I'll keep people updated on that as it goes. So, yeah, it's exciting stuff anyway. A lot happening and a lot to digest every day for, for us here and just trying to figure out um, with everything going on. And um, But, yeah, it's exciting as well. It's all positive stuff, even though it's highly stressful as well and time consuming it's all you know positive stuff moving towards a, a future for us um as well as um yeah this future for what i'm doing with the port adelaide side of this and whatever this project continually evolves into so yeah but the podcast yeah we're here to talk about fucking footy um so yeah uh we'll start the free game 
bought myself a nice little pint of Guinness. It's bloody fucking brass monkeys out here in South Australia at the moment. Bloody freezing. Um, so yeah, so so cold that everyone that was watching the game last night saw we we got somehow got Mike Rashudo into a Port Adelaide beanie. Um, so yeah, that was that was I genuinely was just like, well, you know, the last two years COVID, um, you know, right wing fascism and <laughs> trying to take over in the US, and then Mike Rashudo on a Port beanie I was like, nah, the world's ending. It's <laughs> No, um, yeah, no, it is cold, so I'm having a nice little pint of Guinness um, here while I uh, dissect this. So, yeah, Frio first. Let me just take a sip of this. Uh, fuck, it's nothing better than good quality stout on a uh, winter's eve. Frio. Um, my real th- my thoughts of Frio immediately after the game was like, that game is just... Th- within that game, we saw a microcosm of the entirety of what the frustration with following Port Adelaide footy has been probably for a lot of times under the Ken Hinckley um, era. And I mean, this isn't Ken Hinckley bash. I'm just using his era um, as a thing. You know, I try to try to remain as balanced as I can with the Ken Hinckley stuff because, you know, anyone that goes on Twitter knows that it's a, it's a shit show if you interject an opinion in there um, and it doesn't fly with what some other people think. Um, but yeah, it was, the, the Freo game essentially for me was just a microcosm of what has been the frustration of the past few years in particular. I mean, if we just look at the past few years and not go back the entire 10, um, it's we start off hot, you know, and you know, fast starts was something that we didn't have a lot of last year. But, you know, this year we've had a few decent starts as well as some slow ones as well. But it's just neither here nor there at the moment as far as the entirety of discussing it. But yeah, you get off the three-goal head start, all good and gravy, um, and then back off a little bit. Um, and certainly um, you start getting... I mean, the main storyline from the Frio game um, really is the is the clearances and the hit-outs. You know, we, we, we were plus on the contested possessions, which is, you know, something that we really were behind on earlier in the year was a contested possession um, plus-minus. But the last couple of weeks, certainly last night, we won it. And against Frio, um, plus three and 145 to 142. So the contested ball... Um, and getting their hands on the ball has not been an issue. As we've been getting better at it as we've been going on, maybe the squad squad balance has been getting better. You know, bringing a few a few of the younger guys back in, and but it was the clearances we got absolutely fucking hammered in the clearances and the hitouts. Fifty one hitouts to twenty two, forty seven clearances total to thirty. It was a center clearances really really smashed. You know, nineteen to ten, um, so almost double there. And then you know around the stoppage, handily beaten as well. Um, so well down on our uh, season averages in all in all departments, really. Um, and uh, yeah, centre clearance is more or less the same. Our averages for Port and Freo are very similar for the year, but they went well above, and we just went just below. So that's where the game was won and lost, really, because our disposal efficiency very good. You know, right there at a, uh, we were, you know three three out of four disposals good. Um, efficiency inside fifty not great, but not not terrible either. It's just they were they were well efficient inside fifty. And they just had a couple of runs, which was aided and abetted by the fact that they just had the dominance. They knew they could set up around a stoppage and set up around the center clearance center, knowing that they were getting first use of the ball. Or first, you know, their Ruckman was getting their hands on the ball. They were getting likely they were dictating the play around the stoppage and the center clearance. And when you're playing a game that's against a pretty good opposition, you know, Freo playing some good footy. Um, obviously, this year we're probably up there with the Premiership fancies at the moment. Um, and they, they, you know we've got some big wins, you know Melbourne, Geelong, and in Geelong and Geelong, we certainly have seen the last few weeks they've really been turning it on. 
as they as they want to do at this time of the year, they start looking like them, but then they you know they've got to prove in the finals at this point. But um, anyway, that's a slight tangent. But yeah, Frio is a team that has really um, stepped it up this year and being one of the one of the front runners in the competition. So when you when you can actually match them in your in your disposals and and your contested possession, all those key metrics like that, to get just absolutely decimated at the center clearances and the and the stoppages and hit out, it's just that's just where it's you know the game. And then when we when you end up losing by eight points or whatever it was in the end. Them's the them's the minor margins and and you know in the case of the stoppages and all that it was a decent margin. That's really where they were able to stamp their authority and and control the game and you know even when we were able to get a run on and we just we left them gave them too much of a head start. And that's the other thing that was just so frustrating is that when and that's what I was starting to say about the Jekyll and, uh, I haven't said Jekyll and Hyde but that th- is a Jekyll and Hyde thing. You know we get a three goal head start and then they. You know, peg it back and get it to more or less even. I think we were tied at um, quarter time. Uh, yes, we were four two to four two, and then we come out in the second quarter and um, they bang on basically from the uh, so five minutes forty six into the second quarter. Matt Fife kicks a goal. Then six minutes fifty eight, uh, Andrew Brayshaw kicks a goal. Nine minutes forty two, Matt Taverner's kicked a goal. Uh, Eleven minutes fifty seven, you got Lockie Shields on the board. Um, so it's four goals in about six minutes, roughly. And it's just and just without reply, you know, we didn't even look. We we just they they really hammered it on, and um, you know, Pepper gets one back, and then I think Kane Farrell gets one back next, but then they kick another three before the uh, before the half, um, or another couple before the half, and it's just just giving up those four quick goals in that six minutes just really was a burst that they were able to kind of build upon for the rest of the match. You know, they built it. In the third quarter, they just they kind of held steady, got a couple of goals, and got up by forty at one point, and then um, we we get it back within thirty, I think thirty four, thirty five at three quarter time, um, thirty four it was, um, and so we we give and then we give ourselves a sniff, and then we do the thing, we do the thing where we kick four goals and you know, three or four goals in the bounce, um, in reasonably quick succession to make a game of it, but the fact that we just with the fact that you have to exert so much pressure like that, and it's very similar to the Colton game earlier in the year. That um, we just had, you know, we just a real fall asleep period for two quarters because you know you look at the, th- the first quarter, obviously we tied at the end, and the fourth quarter we win handedly, um, despite all the you know the deficiencies in the center clearance and the stoppage and all that stuff. But you just have a couple of quarters where you just can't quite, you can't quite get a stranglehold in the game, and that really does come down to the the clearances and the, the in the crucial part of the game where it was there to be won. Um, you know, players, you know, the tanks were still good in the second quarter. You know, it wasn't anyone, you know, starting to get towards the end of the game and starting to get a bit, you know, leggy. Um, they took the opportunity in the second quarter and not us. And that's just where we, um, you know, fell down against Carlton and a few other teams where we've just let teams get those little runs on, whether it be Geelong in the third quarter at, down at Cadenia Park back a month or two ago, that kind of stuff. And it's just lapses in game like that that have really let us down and it's often been stuff like where we just get beaten around the ruck and the, and the, and the stoppage and stuff like that because we've been, like I said, um, the, the metrics as far as contested ball and all that stuff, we've really improved on that which was a real problem uh, earlier in the year and we've been, we've been improving on that. It's just, it's just, it's so frustrating, <laughs> this Jekyll and Hyde thing where it's just, you get one thing right but then, you know, the, obviously the ruck's been a shit show. Um, you know, Scoodle probably wasn't in his best form um, earlier in the year but then he went down with injury and then, you know, Sam Hayes, it would have been nice. I I get that they're they're he's around the and I've actually been really impressed with the Finlayson and Dixon duo. But when you're coming up against a guy like Sean Darcy at Frio, um, you know you just get found wanting. It's just that you can't. It, there's nothing. Nothing. Good ruck craft is just so hard to actually band aid over. And I, I I've been really impressed with what Charlie Dixon and Co can do, but they're just not 
they it's the height and reach of someone that's a real good ruckman that just can't be replicated. Um, no matter how many guys you've got to kind of ruck by committee. So, yeah, it's just one of those games that kind of some of the few little list management decisions that maybe not haven't got quite right over the last few years came to came to the fore. And 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 despite a valiant effort in the last quarter, it ultimately was futile. And and at the end of this game, we were gone to seven and eight. And probably a lot of us were probably saying season over after that. I said season all but over, and I still believe that. I think, you know, last and I'll get to GWS in a moment, last night's win still gets us back to eight and eight, and, you know, we're eight and three since starting on five, and it's actually really good, a really good run of form, you know, one of the, right up there with the best in the comp. In the, in the comp. But, um, yeah, it's still just because we left ourselves so much work to do. Um, it is mathematically possible, and, yeah, and yeah, result, results fell, fell our way this weekend to now that we're... Uh, just a game and percentage out of the eight, but it's still you're still relying on we need to keep winning, which you've got some couple of game, tough games coming up, which I'll hopefully get to preview some later this week and, and talk about that. But um, yeah, we're still this Frio loss, being that it was there to be won against a pretty good team away. It's just it's just kind of like the Carlton one as well, and a few of the other like you look at the matches. Yeah, Brisbane earlier in the year there to be won. We obviously some attrition and some unfortunate injuries and all that stuff. That game just got we just got right overrun in that game, but there to be one. Um, Hawthorne, an absolute um, shit show and still unforgivable. Uh, that was not there to be won at any point by this team, but should have been um, a win. Um, next week, obviously the showdown, shit show. Um, should have won that one. Had control of the game for most of the game and just let it let it slip with some bad kicking and just obviously just not um, not stepping up to the plate and understanding the showdown showdown fervor in the in the latter stages. Um, and then, you know, Melbourne, again, just an, an absolute shit show, um, gave up on our own identity in that game and never never had a sniff in that one. So, you know, but you look at those first four weeks, all right, and say like Brisbane could have been one, showdown should have been one, so that's two wins possibly. Um, and then the next week, Carlton, every chance to win. Um, Richmond should have won that one possibly. And, um, and then Frio, you look at that, it's like four or five games. You, if you add that, if you take that ledger and go to 12 and... Oh, fuck, what's my, what's my math doing? 12 and 3 we could be? You know, it's fucking... It's just... It's so frustrating. When we... Or 12 and 4. I can... Fuck. Who fucking cares at this point? It's math. Um, um, anyway. Quick math. You, you kind of get what I mean, though. There's just so many chances we've left. And that's the thing. Bad kicking's bad footy. Um, you can't go... You know, we can look at all the games lost... And look at them and say, oh, we're better than where we are, but we're also where we are because we weren't good enough in those moments. And so, you know, footy's between the years as well. Sports are all between the years. And it's all about, um, you know, taking that talent and translating it into making sure you get the results. That's how you win premierships is you take all that talent and actually make sure that you you make results inevitable. And we haven't done that in the last few years. Um, in moments when we should have won, um, the teams just come up short. And that's just... That's just footy as well. You know, only one team can win out of 18 every year. Um, but we've had the, you know, this is what the frustrating thing is, Port fans, is we know we can be so much better and we've seen it in in games for a quarter and a half like we did against Frio. But then you see, and you see him for a quarter and a half, we're just absolutely dominant. But then for another couple of quarters and a bit, we let them run all over the top of us. So it's 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 the Jekyll and Hyde thing is just a frustration and, and clearly shows us some, um, whether it's, you know, again, I'm not going to get into the coaching thing too much, but whether it's coaching or just list management decisions as well, and just a few other things, we're so it just feels like we're so close yet so far all the same. And this Freer result really just uh, is one of those ones that um, frustrates you for that reason. Is that you just you, you see so much of the good and so much of the battle in one, and you just don't know where you're where we're really at. 
Um, so yeah, uh, a frustrating one. One that had so much promise, but also so much to hate about it as well. And that's just where we are with that. And that's what I mean as the microcosm of this port team as we are. And I'm about to get into the GWS review, which will be a lot more fun. Um, but you know, the GWS game gets us to eight and eight, which I don't know if there's a more perfect. Um, summation of where we're at as a team right now is the fact that we're 8-8 eight and eight at this point of the season after starting 0-5. The Jekyll and Hyde thing is real with this team this year. The 2022 version of Port Adelaide is um, um, incredibly fr- and there's so much to love and so much to hate all at once and it's just ah, fucking footy, man. Anyway, quick break and we'll uh, get into GWS, which will, of course, will be preceded by the song. Johnny Big Redemption like Long time about Hold up Whoa, 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 whoa Get out the way, get out the way Um, as I said at the start of the pod, as I was kind of introing and running off on my tangents, um, it was one of the uh, most comfortable wins of for a while. Um, obviously, you know, West Coast was pretty comfortable and stuff like that. But, you know, GWS is a team. I think they were 3-3 three and three since uh, McVeigh's come in. Look, they're not. we should be beating them at home, and as we did, comfortably. Um, but, you know, they're a team that I was a little bit perplexed as to um, how to think about it. It would have been interesting if I'd gotten around to doing a preview where I would have sat because it's just, they're always one of those teams that, um, you know, we've had some losses against them in the past few years when they were, you know, they were a contending team and we were, you know, up up and about as well and we just kind of couldn't quite get, you know, they just get past us somehow and so they're one of those teams that you just, you just have, an, have a historical unease with with how they've played over the past few years so it was really, it was really actually quite wonderful to win comfortably the way we did we just we grinded a bit we i mean the first half we you know we kicked away and i think it was a, we had eight goals up until half time um they only had a couple uh did they have one i can't remember they only kicked three three for the night um and you know pretty inaccurate but it was partly down to you know bad kicking's bad footy as is, as i always say or maybe I, I don't know if i say it on the pod too much but it's just it just is if you if you miss um, regardless of your your control of the game or whatever, if you but they 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 didn't have the control either. We we pushed them into situations. They missed a few set shots they should probably get, but otherwise, um, but beyond at that point when they started really missing some, we we were well ahead. You know, when the game was there to be won early, we won it. Um, you know, four two to or whatever the score was at, heart, at quarter time. You know, we kicked four goals, um, and then kicked away in the second quarter as well. And just had just had the game kind of you know thirty eight point margin at um, half time. You know, some could say maybe we should go on and build a bit of percentage. And but I think a 55-point win in the end, I think it was, um, is a decent percentage builder against a team like that. We're, they're not terrible, um, but we, you know, almost beat them by 10 goal. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, there's always a thing when you're up by 38 points at halftime, you think, oh, could we go on and win by, you know, just double it, you know, 70, you know, 76 points. That would be wonderful, but it's it's not always the way sports works, you know. If it's um, whether it be the NBA or you know soccer, especially sometimes you, if you get out to a three nil lead against you know a decent team, uh, sorry, not a decent team, but you know one of those you know bottom end teams in you know Premier League or whatever, 
uh, and they you know get out to three 0 lead at halftime, you you're rarely ever going to go. Oh, we're going to win six 0 now. It, it happens, but often. You know, you make a few subs, you kind of back off a little bit. And, you know, maybe it'd be four nil or five one in the end or something like that. You know, you just don't, you know, you don't automatically double your score just because you came out hot out the gates. And um, you know, third quarter was a bit of a grind. They tried to have a run of this, um, got a little bit more control of the ball, but we didn't. You know, we didn't give them golden opportunities inside fifty. They got a couple of couple of decent entries and marks, and you know, they do have a good rebound game and 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 move the ball well when they get when they can kind of get it going. But we we managed to kind of contain that. And uh, you know, contain that run in the third quarter, make the third quarter more or less just a turgid um, kind of uh, Western Front, uh, you know, trench warfare kind of thing. It wasn't pretty. It was not, um, you know, not something you ever want to see repeated. Um, but it was, uh, it was, it was what it was. And um, not to, sorry to demean the uh, the um, the brutal um, futility and, and tragedy of the Western Front and um, and the warfare and that situation in general. Um, but, um, you know, it's just, just what it was as a comparison. It was just, it was um, a poor comparison. Um, it was just turgid and not pretty and, you know, something you don't want to repeat and kind of extended into the third, fourth quarter. But it was really, um, you know, kind of, kind of, maybe you could say it's lipstick on a pig for the second half. But, you know, it was a really great result to see us kind of kick a three, it was three goals from about the five and a half minute mark, five and a half minutes to go to what, until the end of the game, we kicked three goals, and kind of just put that little little cherry on top and and make it a fifty five point win rather than the uh, you know thirty mid thirties that it, uh, that it was, um, and kind of the res- I, I think that's reflective of the game. You know, we controlled, like I said, we didn't need to exert a constant kind of you know absolute you know, hailstorm of energy and, and we, we were on top for the game was quite well played in the sense that we were on top. Um had control of the footy, um, control you know, and statistically just really good control all around, you know, good disposal efficiency. Efficiency inside fifty actually, um, you know, we, we weren't as good as uh, as quite as good as uh, GWS, but we just had it's actually probably partly because we just were entering fifty so many times actually had a really we just were bombarding their forward 50 and then and that resulted in them having to get a lot of guys behind the ball and that kind of sometimes can and you know that's where the efficiency in sub 50 stat sometimes you have to read into a little bit and go well they were we were just entering 50 so much they had to push their you know push push back and really flood the 50 to kind of try and repel us and gain some control back and so you know our efficiency in sub 50 I think I think we actually played a really good game as far as um, you know, the forward structure, you know, Marshall, you know, Marshall was, the Marshall and Sam Taylor battle was really interesting. Um, you know, Marshall gets a couple of goals early, but doesn't get too much more, but he's, he's still that presence and he, he's, he's taken the other teams, one of the other team's best defenders in Sam Taylor, you know, especially a one-on-one defender. And he, and he, he kind of wins the battle early and then just, go, you know, then the rest of the game kind of, it opens up the forward 50 for others and you've got Rosie kicking, kicking a bag, you know, Kane Farrell coming through, but I really enjoyed you go back and watch, I think, um, Todd Marshall's first goal. You see everything you need to know about where he's at as a forward at this point. You see him kind of, he kind of leads forward into a little bit of space and Sam Taylor follows him forward and, and gets kind of, kind of gets in front. And then you see Marshall kind of goes, he beckons for the ball and then runs back into, back into kind of backwards. Taylor kind of turns around and sees him and kind of tries to match up with him. And then Marshall again leads forward into the space and takes the mark. So he kind of works his defender a bit. And then his second goal, he, you know, a different goal again. But he kind of just works it more. It's just a more muscle one-on-one kind of classic forward versus 
the Backman um, battle, but you know he, he wins the battle early and then kind of he isn't he isn't required. He's a, he's still a presence um, and and certainly as a, he's he's making it having an impact without kicking goals in the, for the rest of the game. But he's he, you know kind of that's what forward good forward structure is. Is sometimes you 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 know when you get your opportunities you kick your goals, which you did. Um, and then, um, and then you otherwise kind of assist the rest of the forward structure, and, and just and that's it was really you know one of those small moments in the game early on. I kind of was like you know it's Marshall's game if he wants it to be, but it just didn't the game didn't go through him in that sense after that. And, and you have a guy like Connor Rosie just getting into position to kick goals, and you have Kane Farrell um, finding you know getting a couple of set shots, and oh actually one of them was on the run, which you know just Kane Farrell on the run, um, just you know, hook it to my fucking veins. Um, and then he you know, gets a mark inside 50, which I think was that the... It was at play. I think this is the one that ended up in the Farrell goal. It was when um, you have Wines, handballs at the Boak, Boak handballs it, and then Boak over the back handballs it to Darcy Byrne-Jones, who quickly handballs it onto Wines again. It's like a, like on the wing there. They're under pressure, but they just a really quick chain of handballs. Um, oh, I might have the order mixed up, but you know, go watch watch the goals and you'll see it. And then um, they get it out to Sam Pepper, who then quickly, he kind of jukes his, he's one-on-one and sells some candy and then just drops a beautiful pass into Kane Farrell to take a mark and and kick a goal and just stuff like that was really evident on the night, just how the skills they were oozing in confidence, which is just always a thing. And it's, you know, it's, I'm not breaking any news that when Port um, are confident in their skills and back themselves in, they're an incredible team. And sometimes when you see them, that's just what we is the frustrating thing. I'll go back to the Jekyll and Hyde thing I said about Frio. It's just when we get assaulted by a team that is is very good, we sometimes, we it seems like we go into our shelves a little bit. But in this game, we didn't, and we were really confident and kind of oozing in, in the skills and backing ourselves in and, and, and finding avenues to goal in all sorts of different ways. Um, you have Bergman popping up for one, um, and you know, Bergman just needs to stay in the, in the, in the senior side. Um, and, you know, Bergman popping up for one. Jace Burgoyne, um, I didn't mention it. I, sh- I should have mentioned it, um, but I'll mention it now. He had a really, you know, really promising debut against Frio despite that you know, he didn't look out of place. What I like about Jace Bergwijn early, like he'll fill out body wise, but he he throws his body around anyway. Like he's um, you know, he's not afraid to um, play the big man game, even if he's still probably going to put on some weight over the next few years and d- develop into an AFL body. But um, it's not all about that. He's he's certainly got the he's kind of got the wily frame. He threw like that mark he almost took late in the game. Would have loved him to take that and then kick a goal. But um, you know, he's just he he equips himself quite well, and and his. Quickness of decision making. Um, there's a few moments, you know, where he, I think he cut one off and that was going like a cut, a kickoff that was going into the defense, our defensive 50. And then, and it kind of quickly rebounds onto it after he's, you know, tapped it forward. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't sit back and watch it. He runs onto it and really quickly makes decisions with hand, hands and feet and some nice little touch kicks, stuff like that. You can just see there's a really smart, like the footy brain that's behind the decisions. It's often sometimes what takes a, you know, a player that's got lots of skill but sometimes can't work out how to use it. Um, whereas you've got a player like him who's really raw but he's got so much, his footy brain and, you know, obviously, obviously the heritage there with the Burgoyne family um, and the Burgoyne family's impact at Port Adelaide is, and obviously I don't need to go into that too much, but you know, just his his abilities in that sense make me really excited for the player he can grow into once he you know gets a little bit more into the AFL system, um, develops a body just the, just the size of the body, and that's just stuff that comes with age and and building into the player. Like look at Travis Boak in his first year. Um, <laughs> I think the only, you know Ollie Wines and came in looking pretty 
pretty bulky and, and Lockie Jones looks like he's 30 already. But, you know, generally, you know, players come in a little bit, need to bulk up a little bit. Um, he'll get there, but certainly just really two games in, you know, he got his Gatorade shower last night with his first win and could have very much been a first win against Rio again. But, um, yeah, already talked about that. But, you know, really promising first two games to Jace uh, and it's really, really fun to see um, the Burgoyne name running around on the field for Port Adelaide again at the AFL level. Um yeah, he's so he's so close to playing in the AFL at the same time as his uncle. If he just, you know, the years had matched up just slightly better, you know, with Berg, uh, Sean retiring last year. But um, yeah, it's it's cool to think that um, the Burgoyne name's been playing AFL footy. Um, one has been a Burgoyne playing in the AFL since nineteen ninety seven now, and long may it continue with Jace. Um, but yeah, he, he's just one of many um, impacts on the night, and just um, yeah. Uh, and kind of makes me look at where we were at the start of the year and guys like Adams and Motlop bashing. I just think, I know Motlop's pressure and off-the-ball stuff was there and there was a statistical reason for why he was in the side. But that fell away in the latter half of the, you know, going into the middle of the year and stuff like that. And it makes you wonder if we just got guys in earlier. But then, you know, sliding doors, maybe that wouldn't have worked. Maybe they've had the half a year to develop a little bit and... But it's guys like Bergman who had a great year last year that it's just always, you know, I know he had injury issues going into the off-season and, and pre-season. And, but, you know, you see what he can do and his energy and stuff like that. And it just makes you wonder why he wasn't maybe um, getting more of a shot. Guys like Dersmer that are still struggling to break into the side again. makes you wonder. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, Amon, it seems like he's probably on his way out. And so I'm, I'm just going off into some random tangent right now. And I'll get back to the game in a second, finish off on it. But, um you know, it makes you wonder whether some of the selection decisions earlier in the year maybe. But again, like I said when I was talking about the Freer game, some of those games that we lost in the 0-5 run very easily could have been wins and then we were talking about a completely different season right now. So it's all swings and roundabouts and sliding doors and throw whatever other cliche you want in there. But, um, you know, just sometimes it is what it is. But it is promising to see guys like Bergman come in, play a handy role. Jace Bergwijn in his second game and his first win playing a role again looks looks... You know, obviously, body-wise, aesthetically, he looks like a young player in a man's game, but he's, he's acquitting himself that way but, um, very well. So long may it continue. Really, just got to give the roses, the flowers to Connor Rosie. Man, like what a response he's had to really get in that a little bit more of a leading role in that midfield. You know, he's still play, you know, high half-forward kind of stuff, but he's... He's being entrusted to run through the midfield a little bit more and be be a part of that kind of running, you know, cut cut and thrust through the middle. And he, you can just see his game thriving from it. Also, you know, knock on wood that he's, um, you know, some of these injury issues. I know he's had to, he's, just those foot issues and all that kind of stuff. They've lingered and been a part of the reason he hasn't quite taken that leap earlier. But you can just see right now when he's got when he's got the confidence in the body, and that's for any AFL player, any athlete, and in general, when confidence is in the body, you just it it gen it comes out and it lets all the skills flourish. And you can just say, you know, he's getting his hands on the ball. He's he's backing himself into like you know that um, what was that hit with Isaac coming? I think it was. You know, he, he looks sore after it afterwards. But um, you know, apparently he played junior footy with him. He said after the game. Um, so it was a little bit of, I guess, a bit of banter there too. But um, you know, he, he took that. You know, he didn't back away from that hit, even though he probably came <laughs> looked a bit sore afterwards. And but he bounced up and kept on playing and kicked a couple more goals for the game. So and was really handy. You know, he's he's backing himself in for you know when he's in the forward fifty to um, you know take a contested mark or take a mark. And he's just 
he's backing himself in and you can see the confidence oozing and you know, it's, it's funny. I don't get involved in it, but it's funny seeing all the Twitter stuff um, today. Uh, you know, people, you know, Kane Corns is liking and retweeting all the tweets where it's just like, oh, the Sam Walsh, Connor Rosie thing's getting closer. And they're, they're completely different players and, you know, Rosie doesn't quite accumulate as much footy, but he get, easily can be a bit more damaging on the scoreboard and all that stuff. And it's just fun to see that... Um, you know, rather than people being like, oh, fucking, who's this Connor Rosie? He's, he's genuinely in kind of, you know, bought like, if he'd been playing like this all year, he'd be well in the All-Australian discussion. And I don't know where he is right now, but he's probably, you know, he's not going to make the team, but um, he's at least, you know, the whisper could be there um, about whether what kind of form he's in because he's in scintillating form. Um, you know, kicking four goals last night, I think 24 or 25 disposals. Just um, and we really shared the ball around last night. I think I read a stat that we only had one player that was below ten disposals, possibly, and I think it was Marshall and kicked a couple of goals, and you know it was handy. So you know he did his role, and um, yeah. The other probably storyline beyond Connor Rosie was that you know, we got beaten in the hitouts, but um, Marshall as uh, Marshall Dixon and Finlayson really did a good job of um, the kind of taking the ruck, you know, doing the, what they had to do in the ruck to. Get his hands on the ball. You can see uh, people have been talking, I think, the last day, you know, about uh, whether Dixon's role could be just more in the run. You know, whether he could be the second ruck and still play forward um, next year is probably is a decent question now with what he's done. He's, he's equipped himself quite well. He's now, I would just resist the, oh, he could be just the ruckman talk that I've seen from some. We're still losing, you know, it. The Giants didn't have a good ruck battery out there last night. That was that was there that that battle was there to be won by having a battery like Finlayson and Dixon. But you can still see last week against the likes of your Sean Darcy's and your Jared Witts, it just doesn't work. You need to have a leading ruckman out there, and then you can talk about having um, Charlie Dixon as your second ruck, and then Finlayson maybe taking some duties as well. Because both of them, what they do really well is they can get their hands on the ball and they're really athletic around the ground, like Finlayson. Um, you know, he took one, some took some sometimes directly out of the ruck and was just able to burst burst forward and, and use his athleticism and his other skill set to to keep the ball moving, kind of rove his own ball kind of stuff. So, yeah, and Dixon was doing a bit of that too. Really, you know, they do a really good job, and I was really impressed with what they did last night. And they gave us uh, gave us a pretty good help just get have that control of the match that was so crucial to giving us a comfortable win. But I just resist the the idea that it's it's the answer. Um, it's just, it was a good matchup last night. Um, but, you know, just, hey, impressive. You know, it's, it's, it's all we can do at the moment with Lysett. Lysett came back, was in, played um, uh, SNFL this week. So hopefully he might be back next week, I would think, um, if he got through the, because um, especially we're going up against... Uh, I assume Max Gorn will play next week. I actually don't know what where that situation is at the moment with Melbourne side, but you know we we're going to need Lysett next week. So um, or we're going to need a Ruckman next week, uh, I would think. So it'll be interesting to see what decisions are made there. Anyway, but um, you know it was look they they didn't they equipped themselves incredibly well for the, the role they've been tasked with over the last couple of one, couple of months really. Um, and I'm really impressed with what they've done. The kind of sacrifice because it's a tough job. Um, you got to have a, you got to, you know, there's an extra tank there you have to kind of tap into. Which, um, and yeah, both have acquitted themselves really well. Um, otherwise, yeah, a really great game. Again, I said in the free free talk that uh, our contested ball has been pretty good over the, the getting better, and we we absolutely dominated the Giants. I think plus 21 in the contested possessions, and obviously just good control 
all round otherwise. Um, otherwise, you know, two we almost had um, I think eighty more uncontested possessions as well, so plus a hundred and just general ball ball handling. But um, yeah, really winning it around the contest and just having that pressure was really good. Um, really a big part of what's made our footy so much better over the last uh, the last yeah a couple of months really. Um, so yeah, a really a really impressive result in the in the control that we had. Um, I was really, you know, really impressed with that. Um, that was just really the kind of the thing that I took out of it was um, the control of the game and just all those kind of things that, uh, you know, you want to see your footy team control games. And yes, GDWS aren't the opposition they've been in the past few years. But um, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to play a team like that, then you want a team that's kind of in their station at the moment. They're playing okay footy, but not um, not great. You know, you want to beat them by 55. And that's what we did. So really great result. Um yeah, it's going to be, we're 8-8, eight and eight. we're still flirting with making a run at the final spots. I am still of the belief, and this is just not being, not, I'm not being a negative Nancy or anything like that, I just think that we've left ourselves too much work to do, but hey, we're still in there and that makes it at least exciting, every game's exciting, but the next two weeks are going to, are going to tell us everything about how the season's going to finish really. Um, Melbourne this week, Geelong next week, massive games. Those two teams played on Friday night, was it? Thursday fucking sometime earlier in the weekend. And Geelong had a you know a pretty good win against Melbourne, so Melbourne are going to be smarting this week and looking to bounce back. And obviously, uh, the reigning premiers and we're playing them up in um, Alice Springs, I think. So um, always a fun fun game that one. And you know maybe that kind of throws a spinner in the works as to um, the evenness of it. And uh, yeah, I think the last was the last time we played them up. There might have been twenty fifteen. I, I, I might could, whether I'm missing one in between. I don't know, but I know we had a handy win up against them in 2015 so if that was the last time we won it we played up there and uh, against them up there and won then hey we'll take something out of that probably nothing really it's fucking seven years ago but whatever um big couple of weeks coming up but um at least we're going into it still getting ourselves a fighting chance and playing some decent footy um this week and and uh, in parts against rio uh thank you for listening um appreciate it i'm gonna get another recording out here in a bit um probably record it right after this one after a quick break just look at the aflw fixture release and all that so stick um keep an eye out for that one as well uh, but otherwise yeah thank you for listening as always uh it's been the creecast cheers come the pair